Hey there, ghosties. I hope you're ready to get your kicks on episode 66 of the Ghost Lights podcast. This evening, we sat down with Megan Vandehey talking about her early career in Chicago, her favorite sports underdog movies, and no podcast is complete without a little talk of Taco Bell. That's right, Taco Bell, an unofficial sponsor of all of our late night cravings. Anyway, RMS, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. You're a G. And I'm just poking fun. And you should all stick around to the bitter end where I sing to Megan Vandehey. And we all know how embarrassing that is going to go. All right, Dan, give us War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Sam Gilstrap, we are back once again, this time with the queen of Colorado musical theater, Megan Vandehey's in the house. Hello, Megan. <laughs> hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for saying yes and being on. This of is great. Of course. This is very cool. Yeah. We, uh, we have never really officially met. Um, we've always been way too talented, so we're always busy. <laughs> we're not always around to like post show, like, like, gatherings and stuff i think the closest i got to actually meeting you was i, I had an audition for robert robert when he did um fig, the forgetting main or something like that oh, oh almost main yes almost main thank you i thought it was the other titles stuck in my head so he was doing that at the avenue theater which okay. r.i.p shout outs to the avenue theater yeah. um yeah that, but that was probably as close as i got to like a six degrees of separation there huh yeah yeah definitely I love it. No, I have to, I was, I was telling, <laughs> I was telling Sam this, I, I'm terrified of all of this kind of interview stuff. So I, I try to steer away from this stuff, but I couldn't resist Sam and Dan's invitation. Well, I'm really glad that that, that, that was enough to, to bring you over to the dark yeah. side with us. <laughs> I'll, I or should say the light side, because we do, we are the Ghost Lights podcast. Oh, um, fair enough. Okay. Shameless plug. Um, but yes, I will try and uh, I will do my best to like, keep this as a relaxed, um, atmosphere as possible so cool. with that being said my first question is who did you vote for no don't answer <laughs> that. i'm kidding i'm kidding oh but i can't okay <laughs> oh, okay i mean <laughs> anyway i do actually have a very serious first question oh okay i want you to close your eyes and i want you to picture this scenario okay all right it's 11 p.m <laughs> you just got done with a really exhausting rehearsal but that taco bell on the way home is open what are you going to get Oh my God. Did you know that like Taco Bell is my jam? Okay. So I go every time and I get two bean burritos and a crunchy taco with a side of nacho cheese to dip my bean burritos into. Damn. That is, that is, that is dedication to the Taco Bell craft right there. Oh, I, here's the deal. It, like Taco Bell, that's the key to my heart. <laughs> so for me, <laughs> People like it, it's really sad when people who know me very well around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. I don't get fancy gift cards. I get gift cards to Taco Bell. <laughs> nice. There we go. <laughs> that is my place. It was really <laughs> sad because I was a little nervous during COVID that they would act. I think they used to recognize my voice when I'd pull up in the drive-through. So I was mm -hmm. a little nervous that maybe they would actually forget who I was. But yeah. Did that happen? No, no. They still remembered. <laughs> As they should. A good yeah. customer is hard to find. Now, in fairness, yes. only second to Taco Bell. This is this is really going to disgust you, but uh, 7-Eleven nachos, baby. Like, I am Whoa. the queen of 7-Eleven nachos because there's a whole science to it. You know, you've got to well, take out some of the chips, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to break over the package, take out some of the chips. And then it's the idea of it's this layering effect that you've got to do with the nacho cheese and yes. then adding more layers and then more nacho cheese and then some jalapenos on the top. I mean, just to really ensure the fact that you are going to shit fire the next day, <laughs> which is ultimately my goal. <laughs> I, I don't, I think everybody can admit to loving that feeling the next day. Oh, is there no better feeling than that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that is, that is a pain earned in fire. I think so. Yeah. yeah that, is, that is a badge of honor right there. 
this is a yeah, this is a true window into my soul because I I still eat like I'm a flippant college kid. If I could live off of Seven Eleven nachos and Taco Bell every day, and some weeks that actually happens. <laughs> hey, I I have I have the, long ago the days of bouncing from re- work to rehearsal. There was nothing but Seven Eleven and fast food stops. Oh. There's no judgment here on the Ghost Lights podcast. See, that's never stopped into my 40s, Sam. That has never stopped. <laughs> 37 i'm on that way okay all right yeah this this gray in my beard is not makeup it is all earned oh i realized that after shoveling snow this week i i'm I'm getting old sam getting old not that old and there's always there's always like youtube yoga so you can earn some of those years back (laughs) if i did yoga i can't do it it's i can't I'm, oh. I'm a, now for me, I'm, I'm all about, you know, the, the, the running on the treadmill, the sweating that the yoga is just, it's too Zen. I can't, it's my mind zen. wanders and yeah, I can't do it. It's too Zen. That sounds not like, a very, like to... yeah, I'm not a very Zen person. <laughs> you don't like to be alone with your own thoughts. Oh my God. No, it's a dark place, which is like the <laughs> COVID has just been the shits for me because talk about just leaving you alone constantly with your thoughts. Normally I just bury myself in work so I don't have to deal with anything. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. I'm, I'm really glad that we're, we're taking this time to get to know each other. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I do. See, I think we're going to be fast friends after all this. It's not, I'll meet you at Taco Bell and we'll just, you know, we'll bond There's a Taco over Bell burritos. right across the street from my house. No way. Yeah, there is. Oh. And, a, and a blackjack pizza. So it's nothing but quality food over here. <laughs> oh, it makes me sad. We moved and I used to have one that was just right around the corner and now we've moved and the Taco Bell's a little harder to get to. So I, I'm trying to deal with that. Not, not, it's not hard to get to if you want it. Oh, and trust me, I do. I, I will drive to any lengths to get to a Taco Bell. <laughs> but not but not tonight because it's no. past your... It's past my... No, no, we're, we're doing... Eating yeah, time. We're, it's we're past the eating now. time. We're doing the intermittent fasting. Robert's ready to kill me, but that's, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> hey, well, it, just tell him, start with a big bowl of oatmeal in the morning. He'll be fine. Oh, jeez. He'll get used to it. Yeah, I should tell him that. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, I do have another important question. Um, okay. We we looked into your website's bio okay. and it gave us some tidbits. So the Taco Bell thing, I wish I knew in advance, like, oh, I'm going to knock her out with this little gem of knowledge that I that I knew in private. No, I had to look it up uh, 20 minutes ago. Okay. Um, also, but I pulled up something that was like definitely proves it it should be me and you and Robert can go take a hike. Ooh. Yeah. That's right. I'm calling him out. Okay. So I'm calling him out. I like this. Um, what is your top four sports underdog movie? Oh, okay. So definitely in the top three, you're, you're talking Rocky, you're talking, remember the Titans and then Hoosiers. Ooh, interesting. I wonder yeah. what, what do you, what is, what's battling out for that, that fourth spot? Oh, that's a good question what is battling for that miracle rudy you know well and it's so funny see rudy's one of of robert's favorites but i don't know why rudy never it never really got to me albeit it was sad so we we lost our dear rocky balboa our little five pound chihuahua we lost him in november and and we ended up getting we got a new dog and we named him rudy rudiger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i mean i we really are entrenched in that whole sports underdog theme i'm trying to think okay i love major league um oh, yeah yeah i love league of their own i love there's something about baseball move. well oh i, I mean it's got to be um oh god this is embarrassing what's the kevin costner um field of dreams thank you field of dreams is in there for sure there's something about baseball that that makes me think of my dad and so baseball underdog movies definitely but the natural never did it for me oh yeah um, the, the natural did never did it for me either i have robert redford always struck me and and it's not to take away anything away from his ability as an actor but he always seemed more um what's the word i want pompous in the roles he was playing he yeah. always had this higher holier than thou quality to every character okay i get what which, you're saying which made it hard for me to like get into him fair He's, enough like doesn't mean i can't enjoy the hell out of him in a lot of the movies butch cassidy oh. all oh, the president's yeah. men but yeah yeah yeah, for sure mm-hmm. um what was it bull durham bull, bull durham. durham's a good one um tin cup if we're still talking about kevin costner 
<laughs> okay, that one was bad. That one was just bad. But I have watched the majority of them. And I just, I don't know what it is. See, I grew up, um, my dad's a, a, t- a tennis pro. So I grew mm. up playing tennis. Um, arts was never really kind of supposed to happen for me. I was supposed to be this. I was this little jock and I was going to, you know, I wanted to go to the Olympics on the tennis team. And so, um, so I ended up, you know, kind of falling into the arts shortly thereafter. But there's something about sports that I, I think to me, it, it's like when you're in a cast and you've got that click and I, there's that unity and that, that sense of, that sense of team, I've always mm. tried to associate to acting as well. Cause I, mm. I mean, I truly think, I mean, you're all in this, you're all on the same team, hopefully. And, yeah. and for God's sake, every single position on that team is extraordinarily important. And therefore you can't do your job if you don't have, you know, your safety or your, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know, I just always, I think the two worlds are very similar in some aspects. Yeah, and, uh, You know, I'm a little, I'm a little pissed off that they've been able to go back and do their gig a little bit faster than we have, but yeah. you know, <laughs> but no, I mean, so I, growing up playing sports, I think I, that was, that was some of my love for that, I think. And it just always reminds me of my dad. So yeah. Yeah, I I can't help a good sports underdog movie is just uh, it's my jam. So what about you? What are your top? My top four is I mean we're gonna I have to put Rudy in there. It was the first sports okay. movie I was ever introduced to. So on the off chance that it's available and on TV, it's going on. Okay, it stays on. Um, so we got Rudy. Um, Remember the Titans for me. Left yeah. side, strong side. Yes. I mean, I mean, oh I love God. that Disney and Denzel Washington erase racism. They, they fixed it. They fixed all the racism in that one Seriously. movie. Yeah. I, all you got to do is play football together. It's so true. Oh yeah. my God. And the end, I mean, and you sit there and you look at that one guy, Gary, Gary, who, who then, uh, you know, yeah. oh, and the car accident and oh, I can't handle it. It makes me cry every single time. The, the thing that, the thing that sucks about that movie is the reality of the whole situation. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just, we'll, 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 we'll we, we won't bring reality into this top four list. Because it still doesn't stun on Remember the Titans. Fair enough. Um, okay. Then I throw in. Um, oh, I had them. I was thinking about them all before you got on, and now I'm now I'm the one that's scared. <laughs> Rudy. Okay. Remember the Titans. I would say Cool Runnings. Okay. Okay. Making Bobsled movie of with course. John Candy. Yeah. And uh, I guess, I guess my dark horse would be, not Hidalgo. Or the movie Dark Horse. I'm not making a horse movie reference. <laughs> um, it would have to be, it would have to be Miracle, and that and that wasn't always the case. Miracle grew on me. Did it really? Because that's yeah. Kurt Russell, right? That, yeah, it was a Kurt okay. Russell movie. Okay. I think I watched it the first time because, like, oh, I love that piece of sports history. Right. And then I and then my friend Brian was watching it, and he was like, "Man, Miracle on Ice is a really good movie." I'm like, All right, let's go back. We watched it, and I think I think it's Kurt Russell's performance that that like. That is like the best acting acting I've seen him do in a long time. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've, I got to go back and check that out in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I trust me. It's, it's what you said. It's like whenever you, and granted Robert and I don't have cable, <laughs> but if we happen to turn on, you know, charge on 2.2, you know, Ooh. and some of the old movies that'll come on, if it is a sports movie, oh, it, it'll, you're right. It'll stay on. I can't mm. help it. And like- the, the messed up part is to this day, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen all of the, the Rocky movies, hmm. but I swear to God, Robert hates watching them with me because I will sit and I will, every single time he gets put back in that corner and I'm yelling at the TV for him to block his face. He never puts his gloves up to block his face. Hmm. And you just know, you're like, dude, how many times do you have to get hit in the head? I, like it, it's, it's, it floors me, but um, yeah. <laughs> It, it really does, especially now that I'm a big football fan and like the CTE yeah. thing. I'm like, Rocky doesn't make it to Rocky Four. We don't <laughs> get no, his fight no against Ivan Drago. If this were if this were based at any no Roman way. reality, yeah. he has been concussed so many times that his yes. brain is just this gray block of wood. So true. But Rocky Four, okay, the training montage. That is one of my This is favorites. one of the greatest training montages of all time. The whole time that he's lifting that whole cart up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Drago! <laughs> oh, those are yeah. my favorites. Okay, my, well, that was, that was an easy set of questions. I like these, Sam. Yeah, these are great. <laughs> of course. I, just wanted, I wanted to start off like, gen, like gentle, slow, get to know each other, find yes. out why sports movies are so important. I couldn't agree with you more. When I got out of college, 
my foyer into acting wasn't because, oh, I was taken to this other world and I learned something you know, spiritual about myself. That didn't come for like another 20 years of being alive. Right. I was in school. It was an easy A and it was the easiest way out of college. And all I cared about in college was how was I going to become a, a head football coach in the NFL and how I was going to parlay that into a sports commentator career. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I play Madden at home as a 37-year-old man and do the color commentary. I love that you do the color commentary because Robert plays Madden constantly and I still don't understand the damn game. I like oh. God, God bless. I, I can't do that to save my life. But okay, so I'll top that because I moved the minute I graduated from college. Um, of course, where do music theater majors move? To Chicago. Yeah. But that's where I chose to move. And, uh, <laughs> and I swear to God, I settled in Chicago because I thought every guy there looked like Mike Ditka and that just made my heart so flipping happy. And that's why I stayed in Chicago. So sweater vest really do it for you, huh? <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> Mustaches and aviator glasses, heart attacks at 30. No, I know. <laughs> I always think back to that Saturday Night Live skit of, you know, the bears and that those mm -hmm. guys, oh, I just love it. But yeah, so yeah, it, it that that's the kind of guy. And obviously <laughs> you can see, I ended up with, you know, the John, John Goodman, Mike Ditka kind of guy. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. He's, he's also super talented and, and, and kind hearted and uh, would yeah. not mortgage his team's future for Ricky Williams. True. All yeah. right. That's true. I'll give you that. That's true. All right. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, there is that. That's true. <laughs> but, but part of the reason I fell in love with Robert though, too, is because he does kind of have that. He's got that kind of John Goodman, Chicago kind of vibe, but you're right. He's got the Rocky, like the Rocky Balboa heart of gold. And that's, you know, that's what yeah. got me in the end. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, see, the Ghost Lights podcast, reminding <laughs> you that love is still a thing. Never forget. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> when, do you have a, I would assume you've been to Soldier Field or Wrig Wrigley Field? No, Wrigley no. Field, yes. So we, oh. I lived very close to Wrigley Field when I was out in Chicago. Never been to Soldier Field, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But do we you have were, a favorite I Wrigley Field moment? Were you sitting next to Steve Bartman? No, it wasn't. But <laughs> I, when I was out there, I was working at this, uh, this spa in Chicago at the Peninsula Spa. And one of our members had, uh, she had front row seats on the first baseline. Oh. And she would invite me to games. And I mean, that was, that was magical to sit at Wrigley Field on the first baseline in the front row. And you know, the, the sideline guys come over and they, they chat you up and, and everybody, you know, it was, it was awesome. It was an, like that. That's probably my favorite Wrigley outside of, you know, the vine growing on the wall in the fall and all of that. But yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely pretty cool. The Cubs always have a special place in my heart because in the summertime, like I would have cable, but I wouldn't, there wasn't be a lot to watch for me during the day. I would, this was, I mean, I'm a big fan of this particular podcast and a lot of the movies they talk about on this podcast were like being re-shown during this time, but I would never watch them because sitting through a movie at that age was hard for me. Okay. And I would watch the WG, yeah. WGN and get Chicago. Baseball. Yeah. Yep. I get the Cubs and I get the White Sox at least four day games a week. Nice. And I could sit there and I could watch. And so I could, I fell in love with Harry Carey. Before he became a meme and a and an impersonation that I I try to do, Cubs win, Cubs win. <laughs> hey Megan, make bring it up the Cubs. Who were the, some of the players on the team that you would watch on that first base side? Was was Rhino there, Mister Sandberg? <laughs> nice, nice. I Sosa was there when I was well, and that was okay. That was a time period too. Um, I remember our first, uh, my first wedding, my first, <laughs> my first marriage uh, <laughs> happened right as the Cubs had made it to the playoffs. Mm. And it was the first time in history and everything else. And then that dude caught the ball in the stands. Do you Maybe remember, do you remember all of this? Oh, I know Steve Bartman. And they blew up the ball at Harry Carey's restaurant. I mean, there was this huge like gathering, but they had the actual ball and they blew it up and it was this whole ceremony and this whole, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. That poor guy can never I show his face in Chicago. I think he had to move. I actually think he, he had to leave. I think he had to leave Chicago. There's a 30 for 30 about like that night and his subsequent, <laughs> like 
exile from the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, gotta that, go. But you that's gotta, the thing. I, like yeah. that was the part I loved about Chicago was it's so flipping cold there. Mm-hmm. It's an indoor kind of town for the most part. I mean, so they love their baseball in the summertime for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's a serious sports town. And then other than that. Like there are over 300 theaters in the Chicago area because everybody's going inside to find stuff to do. That's so, a great point. That's oh, great it's point. an awesome city. Where were some of the places you performed in Chicago? Uh, so I worked for Pegasus and I worked for Porchlight and I worked for a place called the Phoenix Ascending okay. and I worked for Circle Theater. Um, uh, I worked for the Apple Tree Theater. A lot of these are, are gone now. I mm. mean, uh, and, and I've not been back to Chicago since, since I left. So I've been back since 2005, yeah. but uh, cool, cool area to start. I mean, I would recommend that to anybody who like, for me, I graduated and, <laughs> uh, and you think, you know, everything. And then you move to a city and you realize, you know, jack shit about anything. <laughs> and so, but it was a good city to start in because I, I wanted to, I really wanted to, to improve my acting chops. And in Chicago, I mean, there's a theater in every basement and attic and maybe there are 30 seats to a, you know, to a theater. And so the audience is right on top of you. There's nowhere to hide. And I'd never performed in anything outside of a, a proscenium kind of stage. So it was, it was an awesome experience to be out there and to just, to truly have to, to, to I don't want to say sell it, but again, I, I guess, there was just, there was nowhere to hide. You, there, mm. you could not be inauthentic in, in your performance at all, which I, you know, I suppose that's what we all dream about, you know, totally. giving a, a very sincere, authentic performance, but how many, I mean, how often does that actually happen? <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, it, it's, I would say for the artist that, that can be a tricky question to answer for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you, you do all your homework, hopefully mm-hmm. people at home, Hopefully you do your homework. You get off book. You, you, you get your blocking memorized or as organically in the brain as possible, depending on what process works best for you. Right. And then you try and get onto the stage and let, let the character shine through the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you're doing all of that, it is hard to like say that maybe Friday night's performance was authentic or less or more so than Saturday or yeah. Thursdays, you know, whatever how it breaks down for you. And I would say that in a place that is known for its intimate theater spaces, that those are good training grounds to find that level of authenticity. I think that we're all trying to strive for. I mean, yeah. when the oh, audience sure. is, yeah, when the audience is on top of you, you there's no, you, like you said the words, you, there's no place to hide. No. You can't, it's can't harder. Fake it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and they, they see, they see right through you. And that was the part that I think that that's when I, I learned, you know, there, there are those nights when the emotions are just right there and they're so easy to access. Mm-hmm. And then there are those nights when, Oh God, it's just, it's like, you just can't get it to come no matter how hard you're working at it. And it's because you're working at it, that it's not coming, but you're just, you're trying to, to repeat the, the same kind of, you know, investment that you had the night before. And I had to learn that, you know, if it's not there, it's not there. And then stop trying to force it and stop, stop trying to make it happen. You've just got to live within the moment that you're in at that exact time. And I, I mean, I suppose that's the joy of acting is you just, I mean, there's, there's no performance that's going to be exactly the same. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, it intrigues me to hear you say this because, I mean, as much as I knew about you before this evening, I've, I've seen your name attached to musicals. It sounds like what you're saying is stuff that I've learned predominantly from a career that's been built from straight plays. This, if it's not there, mm-hmm. how much does that impact a musical performance for you? Because I would same as it would for you. I yeah. sorry, for you for same as it would for any actor. I think yeah. you know. I think that there's yeah, there there are just those God. There's those moments that you, oh my God, the tears just come so naturally and so easily, and you don't have to work at it. And the next night, you're like oh my God, I can't squeeze one out if I, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, you've grown past the point of just trying to, you know, not blink so that they can, the tears can come or, or just stare into a particular light. So the tears can, like, you've kind of grown past that point. So you want them <laughs> to, to be authentic and to, you know, but um, I, yeah, I, it's, it's the same exact thing. I, I yeah. musicals or, or straight plays. Um, and it was, it was funny here. I moved to Chicago, which was, I, just, I still, I, 
I remember getting off the plane and it just, it felt like home. And I did not get that same sense when I went to New York. It just, it just didn't feel like it was quite the right fit. Mm. And so that's how I ended up in Chicago as a music theater person, which still is kind of stupid. <laughs> but, um, it, and I never did. I never did a single straight theater audition the whole time I was in Chicago. And I remember mm. upon moving to Denver, I was like, you will not do that. You're just going to go. You're going to audition for everything. And I did, which was, I, I can't even tell you, Sam, it's the coolest thing in the world to float in both circles from time to time because all the different people that you get to know I mean mm. that that's that's been the coolest part for me and being in Denver theater is just being able to mingle within those two different worlds that's awesome yeah well there's the arts really attract a a unique group of people and mm -hmm. if you are if you've got the f good fortune to be able to walk through these these two groups as if we're not all artists as mm -hmm. if they're as if we are separate in some capacity if you to to bounce through those and to to collect the personalities that jive well with you i mean mm -hmm. I, I i love it whenever i get to talk to a, a friend of mine that i was i had the good fortune of working with later on in my career but mm -hmm. knew him through his work tim howard oh yeah and it took it, it, just to like whenever me and him like chime in and have a conversation about whiskey beer um, of course sports his work my work uh, you know his relationship with a good friend a mutual good friend of ours okay stephanie hesse i mean it's yeah. just, it's great that to have those types of bonds because it's it's it takes a step special kind of person to to make this their their refuge and or calling yeah isn't that the truth i mean we've all we're, we're all a little crazy mm, absolutely i talk to my dog all the time <laughs> He's never going to respond. He'll never say anything back, but I bounce oh, but, a lot of opinions off of him. But don't you think he I swear to God, there are certain times I talk to the dog because I do that too. And yeah. I, I swear to God, I, I think he is, he does respond. Like he does have his, you know, his, his way of communicating. Absolutely. Mike, <laughs> Mike's main form of response to any of my problems is to fart and then readjust himself, like move to the other end of the couch. I do have to admit, I was talking to Rudy the other day and, uh, and shortly after our conversation, he started licking himself, you know, and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad that that's, that's how deeply that went for you. Cause I, I felt like we were really connecting. Yeah, absolutely. Let <laughs> me lick my balls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Let me, let me lick the spot that you butchered. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let me remind you just yeah. how mean you are. Or you yeah. got problems. You got problems. <laughs> Look what you did to me. <laughs> that's so true Look what you oh did my boys. <laughs> <laughs> i digress about um spaying and neutering your pets which those of you at home please do so if you haven't done that with your pet already um the how did you get into theater how did it happen to you we talked uh, about sports and so that yeah so i uh i always uh somehow I think I don't remember even how how this happened but my family discovered that I could sing and we were living in Cheyenne Wyoming at the time and so I you know they, they put me in the Cheyenne children's chorale and that kind of thing and so I kind of developed as a vocalist mm. and um and then I remember a friend of mine who was a dancer uh she said listen they're having community theater auditions and we should you know we should both go and audition for this show and we can do it together and it'll be really fun she ended up dropping out but I followed through and it was at that point my family had moved to Greeley and it was through the independent stampede troupe which is still there today and uh I was auditioning for Brigadoon mm. and uh yeah went in and just <laughs> sang my I didn't have any sheet music. I sang acapella. I did everything wrong, you know, that you should never do. And, um, and they didn't quite know what to do with me because I had this very big voice. And so they ended up sticking me in the adult chorus because they didn't think that I could, I could blend into the children's chorus. And I just remember it was from that moment, I would, I would sit in the wings and I would watch all of the scenes taking place and it was just, it was such a different world than what I'd grown up in thus far. And I just think the, the lights and the, I don't know, it was, it was, it was magical to me. Hmm. Um, and at that point we were performing at the, um, the, the civic center in, 
in Greeley and it was a big, beautiful space. And I just remember trying to imagine myself on that stage and performing in front of all of those people, you know, as one of the leading parts. And I, so that's, that's kind of what started all of it. My grandparents always had season subscriptions to uh, country dinner playhouse. So I grew up going to shows there. And so the next show that, you know, I, I insisted on being in was sound of music, much to my parents' dismay. And um, <laughs> I auditioned for that all over the state and performed numerous times as Liesl, you know, the, I am 16 going on 17. And um, yeah, my, my folks were definitely sound of music out by the time I finished doing all the different dinner theaters <laughs> and performing in that piece, uh, unable to drive as they were having to take me all over the state to do that. So uh, yeah, but at, at that point, the, I don't know, it was just, um, it was just this magical place for me. Uh, I loved, I loved the sound and the lights and still to this day, I, I love to be able to sit in a dark, quiet theater before anybody's gotten there before, you know, even with just the ghost light on, I love sitting there and I just love, I don't know. I love the quietness of it, but I, you can, it's like, you can just sense every creative magical moment that happened in there. Mm. Um, still to this day, I just, I think that there's no greater place than in a, a dark and quiet theater. Uh, so that's kind of how it, that's how it all started. Um, and I just knew, I knew from that point on, I was cast in my first show when I was 11. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Hmm. So from that point on, I just uh, majored in it in college and yeah, that's all she wrote. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it's not an incredibly exciting story, <laughs> but yeah. Hey, it's, it's your story. Your story is special <laughs> enough. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so what, how has that magic changed for you? Has it? at all is it evolved yeah I, I mean i mean let's be honest i i don't think any performer can tell you that they've maintained the same degree of magic from you know from the first time that they hit the stage to to their present life um mm. it it definitely ebbs and flows sometimes it's the show um well and you know as a performer sometimes you just happen to catch lightning in a bottle yeah and I mean, I've got to be honest, it's only happened maybe a handful of times for me where it's like, it's the right piece and it's the right cast and it's the right venue and the right director and the right, I mean, and it's like all the pieces come together to just make this magical electric kind of experience. Um, yeah, I want to say maybe that's happened five times mm. in my performing career where everything comes together. Yeah. Um, but uh I'm trying to think, yeah, it's, it's still pretty magical. Um, with a dose of reality though, you get a little older and uh, <laughs> I don't know, you start looking at your retirement account <laughs> <laughs> and, and occasionally some of the magic wanes a little bit as you go, oh, you had to be a performer. You had to be a performer. <laughs> um, but you know, every now and then I remember I was at the Fox in 2015 and we were doing big fish mm -hmm. and uh, Charlie Packard and Brandon case and oh good Lord, mm -hmm. all of those guys would use any and every excuse to, to do like the potato launchers of, you know, flying fish through the air. And I mean, any kind of technical gizmos and gadgets that they could you know instill in the show they did. But there was something, I remember watching the opening number every night backstage, like right over Lindsay Sullivan's uh, stage management desk. And it filled me with that childlike magic again of theater. Mm -hmm. um, and there was something about that particular show that for whatever reason, you know, I don't know, through time and you get a little hardened, you get a little jaded. And there was something about that show that somehow I thawed my my heart a little bit. And I just feel like it opened me back up again to, to the magic of, of theater. So I, I don't know. So Sam, I guess answering your question, it comes and goes for me. Um, yeah. I, I wish that I could still maintain that magical awe that I first started out with. Um, 
And I tell you what, I, I think I'm thinking all of us are going to have that magical awe when we finally get back to doing it again. Yeah. After I, having I a nice year break. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that it, I think you start to take things for granted, you know, um, and maybe that kind of you work you work extraordinarily regularly too and and there's just you know when you're going from show to show to show to show at times it's difficult to remember to stay in the moment and truly enjoy that show because you're already thinking about the audition for the next show and the next show and so um yeah. I, I i think i do best when I'm, I'm maintaining you know in the moment appreciation of what i have yeah i uh i think for me when it, it and you mentioned one of the the things that you still often like to do is sit in the dark of the theater and just kind of just be there, mm -hmm. whether you're just relaxing after a day of work before they turn the lights on and it's time to go to work again or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, for me, I started doing this later on um, with the last like three or four shows before the pandemic hit. I would sit, I would get dressed early and I would get to my spot as early as I possibly could in terms of like not throwing off the traffic backstage and I would get, and the, the moment in mind for me is I'm, I'm remembering curious incident over at Betsy. Okay. And I would sit backstage and I would stare at this oval dome that we had created this half dome. And I would watch like the first scene kind of transpire and just consistently remind myself before I go out there, I'm like, you're really fucking lucky. Yeah. You're really lucky. And, and I, I know it sounds kind of cliche, there were year stretches back to back to back where I would just, it was, it was part of my work day mm -hmm. and it wasn't what it was when I, like I told you at the beginning, I got into theater because it was an easy, a, a means to an end. And then I got challenged and I had to fall in love with it mm -hmm. later. Like it was, it's like a bad romantic comedy basically. The guy doesn't appreciate his girl. Yeah. Then he's faced with what it could look like if he didn't have that person or mm -hmm. they, I mean, let's, I mean, it, it can happen to anyone. I don't want to get gender specific. And then you, and then the last 20 minutes of the movie, it's about reclaiming that love. And I mm -hmm. felt like there was this stretch where it was like, yeah, I got it. I know what I'm doing. Even after I took classes and stuff. And this year, I mean, especially on Thursday, particularly for me, was the anniversary of when I, I lost three acting jobs and we went on a, an extended spring break all in the matter of three hours. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. And I, and I had to tell that to my, my football team. I'm coaching my flag football team. And it was a year anniversary to the day. And I just, and I, and I was sharing that with them. And then since then, it's, it's really kind of brought back that, I mean, I really hope we get a chance to do this in some kind of safe capacity soon. Yeah. I'm glad I'm vaccinated and that's good for me. And it, you know, all that stuff aside, I, I, I want, I want that opportunity that next, that next opening night, I've referenced it on here before <laughs> that next opening night is going to be epic for all of us. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. I, I, I think one of the first things I got a chance to do, um, and I want to say, I think this was like in September, uh, Robert and I did a cabaret at Miner's Alley. Mm. And I kid you not, Sam, I think that there were like maybe 15 to 18 people in the audience. <laughs> and I, it brought tears. Like I almost was not able to sing the first song we were going to sing because I, I was just one of those moments when I thought, oh my God, mm. I've missed you. <laughs> I've, yeah. missed, I've missed this exchange. To me, it's all about the exchange of energy and I miss that collective experience and that exchange, uh, which is so monumental doing what we do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's the overwhelming emotion, I think that's gonna hit all of us when we're able to actually do that again. Yeah. And I pray to God that we hold on to it. I pray to God it's not one of those things that it's like, you know, you take a vacation and you remember just how good you feel and you try to hold on to that vacation yeah. feel when you come back and then eventually you slip back into the right. You know, I, I hope that we as actors truly hold on to that sense of how grateful we are to be back in the environments yeah. that, that we, we've lost. I was terrified um, when all of it shut down because I mean, and you start to question who am I outside of all of this? And, you know, uh, 
this, it was so much my identity that, you know, you, you can only do so many puzzles and paint by numbers, but it's, mm. it's, it's <laughs> uh, you know, semi-hobby kind of things, but they don't necessarily define you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always used to memorizing the next script and just kind of working on that, that I, oh my God, the hell do you do? And there's none of that on the forefront. Yeah. It was a really scary time for me. I don't really, as I said earlier, I don't like to be alone with my thoughts. And oh, what a painful year to be alone with your thoughts. Yeah, no, nah, it, it's it's not. I, I feel like for me, I was it, it, the pandemic started for me where I was. I had a roommate, and I was like, they were always good to share their opinions on things, and I would I would live through that. I would let them talk. And then I realized after um, once when school was going to reopen and I had to like separate myself from that situation to be back in my, to, to be back on my own. It was like how, how much time I had spent avoiding my own thoughts and, and, and kind of separating myself from what was happening mm-hmm. to where now it's like, it's, it's how I'm keeping myself sane is by embracing all of this, weirdness and this awkwardness and like there will be stretches where you're sitting there going like am i gonna watch another episode of that yeah. uh no i don't think so all right let me get up what am i gonna do instead um play another video game uh maybe no let's let's take a walk he doesn't need yeah. a walk but he'll take a walk yes and then you come back and then like okay let's do something constructive what's constructive um i'm gonna i'm gonna stack beer cans that are empty in my recycling <laughs> bin and that will be my artistic outlet for the day yeah I mean, I, i'm making light of the situation but yeah i mean that itch it's been hard to get scratched yeah. i definitely had like as there were some online opportunities that i had at the beginning of this thing that were really great and i was really thankful for those and i caught myself even in those instances taking the craft of the work for granted yeah like because it's I, not I a think, real no. rehearsal no like, i think i did the exact same thing sam yeah, yeah. It, well and it didn't and it was just like well this isn't really what i do this isn't mm-hmm. really the kind of performing that i do it's it, it's it's different it's you know mm-hmm. um no so I, I would agree with that um i don't know it's 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 gonna be magical uh i but i at the same time though too i'm i'm a little i'm a little terrified to get back um i mean i, I can't alone. I can't wait, but I'm also just, I'm terrified. I'm terrified what, what theater will look like. Um, I'm terrified. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I pray to God that we can still produce big, beautiful shows. Um, but I think that's gonna be a ways off. Yeah. Um, I hope that theaters were able to survive throughout all of this. Uh, I, I mean, I would, that, was, that was my big fear was how many theaters are we gonna lose? Mm-hmm. I, and you, you had mentioned earlier, I drove past, I was on 17th the other day for some reason and I drove past the Avenue Theater and it just, it made my heart sink yeah. just to see that all boarded up. Uh, oh God, I loved that theater. Well, I, I just, I thought that that was such a cool, magical little space. Yeah. It was one of my favorite spots in town. So I'm so sad that, that we lost that one. Mm. This one we lost beforehand. Yeah, it we became, did. Um, I'm talking about this oh. one. I'm thinking of it was like the vintage spot before they moved out to oh. Aurora. Yes. And it's it's now like storage for a bar that's on that street. And I just, I that's where I got my start. That <gasps> downstairs grimy basement. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, that was my, my first in the theater performance. Uh, I performed there before it was Vintage's spot. It was the Playwrights. Yeah. The Playwright Theater. It was the very first theater I performed at when I moved to Denver. They were one of my first rejections. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget Brian Thompson was, um, he was directing the piece I had auditioned for at that time. And here we moved from Chicago and we were doing theater for Oh God. I mean, you get paid 50 bucks for the whole run out there. You know, I mean, it was yeah. just, and I'll never forget as we got into town and I auditioned for Brian and he offered me the part and he said, now I, I understand you're from Chicago. And he said, but here's the deal. I mean, I can offer you $50 a show. And I remember trying to just keep my voice very level the whole time he was talking to me about this. Cause I was thinking, Oh my God, I used to do shows in Chicago for two fifty for the whole run. <laughs> I was so 
I was like, $50 a show. <laughs> and the fact that I thought that that was really great money is, I mean, that's kind of sad in and of itself, but to me it was at the time, but oh, I loved, I love that place, that, that place in that basement. Mm-hmm. Yes. That basement dressing room down there. And oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing like putting on a costume and finding a dead spider in the pocket. Isn't that nice? Yeah. 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 I just remember you'd never want to be alone in that dressing room. Oh, I hated it. I thought it was so creepy. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> if those, if those peeling walls could talk. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it made me so sad to watch that space turn. Cause then I went back later on and I was able to do gray gardens for vintage mm-hmm. theater there. Um, and I was, I was a little sad when they moved from that space out to Aurora too. Cause I thought that there was something so, Granted, it's a postage stamp, but there was something still kind of, I loved, I don't know. I, I, I loved the way the stage was situated. I loved that damn bar that was yeah. right there on the corner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that bar. I banged my head on that once. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you mentioned that, you mentioned Grey Gardens, and I think a podcast with Megan Vandehey would be remiss if we didn't bring it up. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Specifically, my opinion when I saw that you're what's great gardens, that's a musical. Yeah. How are they going to do a musical in that small space? And to grant to like, before that they did um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and the, right. the list goes on, but like, what's it like doing a musical in an intimate space like that? Like, are you allowed to belt? Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, you got to, I think you got to temper it a little bit. I, I mm. mean, Lord knows, I don't think an audience wants to sit and listen to somebody belt nonstop for two hours. That's exhausting. Well, um, strap in, because if we're going to a karaoke bar, that's what you get with me. <laughs> Saddle up, baby. Yeah, uh, but right. no, but it's the same as like if you were to go to see, I don't know. So I, I'm trying to think of, I, you know, having, having an actor yell at you, you yeah. know, in an intimate space, same kind of thing. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I, it doesn't necessarily require the same, but at the same time, that space could suck up a lot of sound. I mean, and we weren't mic'd at all. And I love, I love being in an intimate space where you don't have to wear a mic. That that's makes great. me very happy. Yeah. Um, no, I, it's I, again, that's my favorite. I, I love performing in small little spaces and doing musicals. I think that there's something so cool about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, that odd space at, at vintage. Now that rectangular room, you know, where you kind of oh, go, yes. God almighty, that's a weird ass space to sing in too. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I love those little postage stamp, you know, boxes. I think they're just, they're fantastic. Nice. You're so damn close to the audience. They can see and feel everything. And I think it gives you as an actor, even a greater range of dynamics to play with because you can get really quiet and they're still right there with you. Yeah, so. that's true. I, I, feel, I feel like it, those, those spaces allow you that a little more freedom. Yes. Which I would, uh, for a kid when he coming out of college, was counterintuitive for me. Really, I I had two lines in Romeo and Juliet in my first show. Okay, and I yelled them at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> anyway, no, but it's <laughs> I, it, here's the deal. It's no different than when you're labeled a belter early on in your career, and mm-hmm. you feel like the only way that you can move people is to push them back against you know their seats. Yeah. I'll never forget. I think I had a director who looked at me and said, "Yes, but isn't the goal to draw them into your story versus push them away?" And I thought, "Oh, oh it was yeah. the best thing that any you know any music director or director could ever tell me was you know because again I." Don't get me wrong, listening to somebody who can belt those high notes, there's something incredibly powerful about that. But to me, there's something even more powerful about watching somebody shape and build a song um, and draw you in versus push you away. Yeah, absolutely. And and those spaces really put you to the test for that. Oh God, yeah, yeah. What are some of your favorite performance stories? Like you talk about those moments or theater experiences where you, you get a hundred percent buy-in from everybody and it feels like all the pieces fall into place. Is yeah. there something that sticks out in your mind? The ones that stick out in my mind. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've been, I've been fortunate. I've had, I've had some really great ones. Um, <laughs> great gardens was a hoot. 
uh, I'll, I'll never forget at the, at the old vintage, um, we were we were behind technically, and I don't remember why exactly. I think it was just, I think it was just the damn house was just mm. big and, and difficult, and uh, and I'll never forget we were trying to figure out uh, how to get the walls in and out quickly and and that kind of thing. Or I shouldn't say we were. I was standing in front of the walls as they were trying to dismantle them behind me, mm. and I think that they were being held together by some of those c clamps and that kind of thing yeah <laughs> and i'll never forget rebecca joseph who was our stage manager saying that every now and then she'd get a little nervous as she'd watch me performing one of the songs and you just kind of watch the walls just kind of rock a little bit <laughs> she was so nervous that they were just going to come down right on top of me but um <laughs> uh, gosh i'm trying to think of what stories i can tell you that won't incriminate anybody Mm. Um, Any stories about a stagehand walking on in the middle of a solo? A stagehand walking on in the middle of a solo. God, I can't think of any. Um, You're too in the moment. Was there somebody who walked on in the middle of my solo? I, I, have, a, I, have, I have an inside story. Yeah. Oh my God, please tell. <laughs> so I think it was one of the more recent, uh, and he'll correct me later, I'm sure, but uh, a good friend of mine, Bradley, um, was uh, working on a show. It was like an assistant stage manager for one of your performances at Vintage of late. And it was like, it was like his first day on the job. They needed somebody to come in and like work this this particular crew run. So he was like, yeah, I got you. Johnny on the spot there to save the day. And they didn't, whatever happened, he, uh, he brought, it was like in the midst of bringing on a table at the start of one of your solos, realized what was happening and then like slowly walks back are you Five. serious yeah. i didn't even I, I was not even aware of that that cracks me up yeah. um okay well let's see here I, I'm, I'm kind of i'm tanking on this on, on my whole story thing i knew you were gonna ask me a question my mind goes blank um <laughs> there, there was an interesting that thing that happened to me uh on the way to I, the forum exactly <laughs> sorry no that would be a funny thing not interesting yeah. um but uh <laughs> I, I was down in the springs doing fun home mm. and uh and I'll never forget, it was opening night and I was, I was getting ready. I'd just gotten to the theater. And at one point, um, one of the orchestra members, uh, the gal who played the, the, our cellist, uh, came down and, and she just said, are you the woman who plays uh, the mother? And I said, yeah, I, I am. And she said, I'm Helen. And I, I kept looking at her because I was just having one of those you know, <laughs> actor moments on the opening night. And I kept thinking, no, I've met you. That's not your name. What do you mean? Mm. And of course she was saying, I'm, I'm the character that you're, you're portraying on stage. That that's actually, that's my life. That's my story. That's, you know, that this, I, I've lived this. Mm. And, um, and I just remember it was one of those times, Sam, when you kind of go, Oh God, the, it, it made me recognize that every now and then what we do, what we do matters in the sense that we are telling somebody's personal story. Yeah. And I, um, I don't know, it made me feel as though there was additional weight to what I did or, or that it really mattered. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how often you feel that way. Sometimes as an actor, I feel, I don't know, easily dismissed at times. <laughs> Or my, you know, Robert and I have often joked about the fact that, you know, if there is the arc that's going to come and, you know, take us away at one point, actors are going to be the last people to board the ship because, you know, really, what do we have to offer? <laughs> uh, and so... Um, no one needs to be entertained. I suppose. But yeah, but it's like, how many of us do you really want around? I mean, you don't want that many people trying to, you know, yeah. top each other and entertain. So... Um, I've always thought that, yeah, I wouldn't make it on the arc, but um, yeah, but it was, it was one of those moments that you kind of go, oh, wow, what we, it, it does matter. It, 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 it was nice to just have that, that validation that, yeah, you, you, you are a part of something that is important. And I know yeah. that we have, I, I mean, I know that we take people away from their bad day and, and that kind of stuff, but um, it's easy to forget. 25 years into doing it that absolutely <laughs> that it still like, matters yeah oh well, for me I, I i found that for like the first like 10 years of my career people would like stifle laughter or look away before they said oh that's nice when i told them that i acted yeah and and for the longest time because of those types of reactions i wouldn't tell people that's what i did i wasn't art i wasn't an artist i would make jokes about how 
uncreative I was or what have you and always say that other people told better stories than I did. And then it was no, after a while, and you get a little more confident in it, but it takes a moment like that. Yeah, it does. I, and then unfortunately, you know, every year I have to go do my taxes and I have to justify that I'm still a contributing <laughs> member to society. <laughs> same, same. Uh, I think I've changed my job title on, on my, my 1090 or whatever it is, my, my 1040 every single year. Sometimes I'm a supply coordinator. Sometimes I'm an actor. Sometimes I'm a teacher. Sometimes I'm a podcaster. That's what it's going to be for 2021. I be prepared, it. the IRS. Give me my money. I've always stuck with actor. And I remember the, the, poor, the poor agent I was going to a while back. She just said, you know, you lose money doing this every year. And I wanted to look at her and go, well, I'm specifically writing a lot off so that, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I do know that I, I lose quite a bit of money doing this. <laughs> but you uh, gain, you're rich in other ways, Megan. Oh, no, that is very true. And, when, and the messed up part about all of it is, Oh, I kind of suck at everything else. I'm working an office job at the moment and it makes me realize that, oh shit, I'm really only good at this one thing. <laughs> oh Same. God, please let me back on stage because oh, the poor law office, they just, I think they're ready to get rid of me. Keeper. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> they have helped me through this whole thing. So I, I greatly appreciate it. Don't let her go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah so true but yes god help me oh, i'm trying to i, I you know sam all my stories are they're they're eluding me at the moment um i have a question just yeah uh, one of the last little bits of story i got you suffered an injury a couple of years ago uh, <laughs> like an achilles yeah. injury i just wanted you're yeah. okay now yes yeah i'm okay good um you know as I, a man that watches sports and i heard what type of injury it was like, Oh no. Oh. The messed up part. So I'm, I'm, I'm benched basically for the season. We'll yeah. Play. On IR. <laughs> and so it gave me a lot of time to watch football. And, and I remember watching at times and as, as I sit there and I think I did nothing, mm -hmm. nothing to have that Achilles rupture. And I'm watching all of these figures and, uh, and who was it? Uh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm forgetting the Bronco who tore his AC, uh, who tore his Achilles. Um, oh, uh, oh no. amazing offensive player. It'll come to me. But anyway, okay. so the whole entire time I looked at Robert, I'm like, I just, I don't understand how these guys don't ever flip and injure themselves. Like, how do they not constantly rupture their Achilles? Yeah. And I kid you not two weeks later, <laughs> oh. this player did. And Robert was so pissed off at me. He thought I had purposely, I had somehow you put it out in the it. universe. And, yeah, <laughs> and I ruined one of our best players. <laughs> Was it Emmanuel Sanders? Thank you. I should have, I, and I kept thinking, I was like, how am I messing up this name? And I'm like, of course, same last name as Robert, but um, Emmanuel came back Sanders. From his injury, yes. The Niners go to the Super Bowl. He did. And, and it was, it was incredible. Um, I think he healed a lot better than I did probably. Um, oops. Well, you're not out there running a, a four five forty yet? No, not at all. No, I, not that I ever did in the first place. So, okay. you know, <laughs> um, but no, it's fine. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly uh, I remember coming back to the dressing room and, and I, I, I was in the middle, we were in the, the final dress rehearsal for Mama Mia at the Arvada Center. And it was very mundane. I was crossing the stage as, you know, um, Jeff Rourke was the bullfighter and I was the bull and I pushed off my leg to go cross stage to him. And I heard this pop oh. <laughs> and I just went down like a ton of bricks. And I'll never forget when Shannon Steele and Piper Arpan came back to the dressing room and they, their eyes were just big. And Shannon just looked at Piper and she's like, we got to start stretching more. We're not young anymore. We, we, we really got to start taking care of ourselves. Because it was just that terror. It was that terrifying moment. You were like, oh my God, we're all getting old. <laughs> oh, that was rough. I love how you went from star of the show to cautionary tale in like Seriously? two seconds oh hi so that doesn't happen so easily and so quickly yeah, yeah no oh oh yeah. But you're absolutely right though i heard about i heard about your injury and i had been experiencing achilles tightness for about two weeks leading up to that story and i was like uh oh good call those non-contact <laughs> injuries megan they're the worst oh it was rough you know and then you and it's like i lost 
so I lost that show. And then I was, I, I had to say goodbye to my Christmas contract right after that. And mm. yeah, I, well, you know, I mean, it just, it sucks when you've got to, I never call out of a show. I never like, that's just not my jam. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to have to miss a whole show, a couple shows because of that. And then having to go to, I tell you what, there's nothing more humbling than to show up at auditions, you know, with your little scooter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The bent knee one. Exactly. Yep. Thank God for that scooter though. The the Denver Actors Fund and John Moore presented me with that little scooter and it saved my life. It gave me some mobility, but yeah, showing up at auditions on a scooter. Wow. That just makes, you know, because a certain degree of like, intimidation that you want to walk into the room with and that scooter just yeah that kills that there's no intimidation absolutely yeah pretty bad but so i healed from that only to get back on track again and then then covid took me out yeah and then the injury that affected (laughs) everyone exactly exactly god unless you lived in new zealand or taiwan god they did such a great job they did they crushed it big ups to those countries seriously i'm so envious as right. I watch them all at concerts and oh yeah. Yeah. Just rubbing it in our faces. Yeah. We kind of as they absolutely enough. should. They were absolutely within yes. the rights to do so. Hands but, down. Yeah. Make it at this yes. point in the podcast, I, I I love to ask my the title question. Okay. What is that ghost light you wish was left on for you that you'd leave on for the next generation? Hmm. I was so eager to please all the time. Uh, and to, I, I think that the majority of my early days, I was so scared to ask a question. Um, if I was in an audition and I could get a sense that whatever I was giving was not what that, for, what that director was looking for, I just, at times, I lacked the ability to stop and to say, I, I, I get, I, I'm not giving you what you want right now. Can you more clearly define what I need to do to do that? Cause I want to give you what you want, but I can't, I, I just feel like I'm not dialing it in. I was so scared for so many years, Sam, to actually just ask a question. Mm. Um, and so I think that that would be my advice. I'd never be afraid to ask a question, never be afraid to gain greater clarity on what someone is asking you to do and never be afraid to trust your instincts oh yeah yeah i gotta tell you um i'm so glad that we are able to sit down and have this podcast yeah talk to each other because it's it's funny how so much of the things that excite you make you happy and and bring out you some of the same things i mean being an artist aside i mean the sports underdog movies i mean just you know taco bell and then to hear you say the the conversation or i should say the statement about like asking a question that was that was my biggest thing i i I went from being scared to being an actor to being overconfident about every choice i was making and at times being an uber asshole to a lot of people to then going like starting to realize that and start dialing it down and really? find my balance. Yeah. Yeah. I went down. Uh, that's exactly what happened. I was, I went from scared and timid to being fucking arrogant, but never asking a question still because I had all the answers. I didn't yeah. need to ask a question anymore. I know what, I know what they want. I got this. Isn't it amazing? I, yeah. I wish that at times I remember being in this trip, my first Arvada show, I was in this dressing room with, this group of women that were phenomenal um, and, and had so much to share. And it's like, I just want to go back and look at myself and go, shut the fuck up and just listen. Like, just don't, don't add, <laughs> don't try to, you know, contribute. Just listen to what these women are saying and sharing and talking about and learn. Uh, I, Mar- Marcus Waterman was he was so important in one of the shows that I was doing because I remember I was confused and I was irate and I wasn't getting the direction I needed. And I remember Marcus, Marcus would just sit back and he would just listen quietly to everything. 
and then would very quietly approach the director and just ask some questions. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be, I want to be Marcus. I want to learn how to be like Marcus and, and conduct myself in that manner. I still haven't gotten there, Sam. I'm still, <laughs> I'm so not that quiet person. Now I feel the need to have to ask too many questions um, as most directors will point out. But um, uh, yeah, but oh God, I, I wish that I would not have been so scared to assert myself when I was younger. Well, it all comes at the right time when it's I suppose. ready to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Megan Vandehey, thank you so much for being a hey, guest Sam. on the Ghost podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been so easy and lovely talking with you. Good. I, that, that, that makes me very happy. More than a stuffed grilled burrito from Taco Bell. Oh, Sam. Nay, nay, my friend. You, can't, you cannot leave me like that. I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't. In fact, I will leave you with a little bit of John Legend. Oh. Let's see if I can do it here. Okay. Girl, I'm in love with you. This ain't the honeymoon. We're past the infatuation phase. We're right in the thick of love. At times we get sick of love. It seems like we argue every day. The nice. Ghostlets Podcast, everybody. <laughs> Megan Van Day is the guest. Ghosties at home, I hope you listen, hope you tell your friends, and I hope you get your tickets to your opening night show as soon as they let us have them again. Big ups to the Aurora Fox. They got something going on with some friends of the pod, the Eulen Hops, Kelly and Andrew, as well as Maggie Tisdale. Make sure if you can and you feel comfortable with it, go get a ticket. And if you don't, don't beat yourself up because we will be back. Live theater will not die. Dan, do the damn thing. Because trust me, Sunday morning is one of my favorite shows. So I just love ending with the trumpet. It's very, yeah, it's very apropos. Nice. <laughs> hey guys, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh my God. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation.